in the sky. Stories to give. The ones who make it there and can make it back. Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of your favorite travel podcast, Travel and Shit, where I, your host, D. Carrie, have an experiential conversation about the nuanced ways that travel intersects with regular life. I am hoping that you are on the YouTubes to see the beautiful face that is joining me today. I have a guest, guys. My beautiful guest, Christine, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining me. Please introduce yourself to the audience. Hey, everyone. I'm Christine Job. I am a business strategist, and I am also a podcaster. I'm originally from Atlanta. I currently live in Spain, and I'm just so excited to be here to chat with you, like, you know, like we, we were talking, like we've known of each other for a while. So I'm excited to get in and, and really chat. And I thank you so much. And yes, we are in so many of the same um, internet circles. Shout out to Wanda. Shout out to Danielle. Shout out, uh, shout out to Alexandra. Um, incredible, incredible women podcasters who are making space for other women podcasters, uh, especially those of us that are in the different intersections and intermixes and interwebs of identity and um, presentation to the world. So gang, gang, y'all, gang, gang. I'm happy to be here in community with you. Um, so I know, before I fuck it up, Camino de, de San, wait, Camino de Santiago. Okay, so, wow, first of all, start there. Um, I enjoy being outside. I enjoy walking uh, a bit. But please explain to everyone what this is so that they kind of get the gist of what the wow is. It's not exactly, um, you know, a walk in the park, if you will. Please explain what this undertaking actually is. Yeah, so the Camino Santiago is a pilgrimage. It's a medieval pilgrimage. It's 800 kilometers, roughly 500 miles across Ooh. Spain. Um, there's several different paths you can take too. So there's like different routes. There's like a shorter path, like via Portugal. There's one in Andalusia. Um, there's even one, I think, through Madrid. There's like the most famous one is the Camino Frances because it starts on the French side of the Pyrenees and it ends in Santiago de Compostela, which is in Galicia. So that's the Northwest part of Spain. So you go over the Pyrenees and you walk across Spain. Um, and then you can always go further to the Atlantic coast. That's what I did to Finisterra. So it's a, it's a pilgrimage. People have been doing it to absolve themselves of things, to get clarity. And I really, I did it on a whim. And I know you're gonna be like, how do you just like fall into walking 500 miles? Yeah. Um, di divine nudge basically because honestly like the quick and dirty version is this i was supposed to move to kuala lumpur malaysia in the summer fall of 2014 and i had a cute apartment in atlanta in inman park you know i was living that life and i was like oh i'm gonna take this job so i got rid of my apartment i moved back in with my mom out into the suburbs to wait it out to get like my visa and things. And then July, 2014, it, um, it just, they reneged. They were like, actually, no. And I was just like, man, 
come on, you know, I was a year out of law school. I didn't take the bar because I was like, I'm doing something different. I'm finding my own way. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to join a startup in Malaysia. Deuces. And then then it was like, no, no, you're not. And so I was out there in the suburbs like, man, what am I doing in my life? Like, what's the next step? And so I went uh, hiking, we'll say very I went walking up a mountain. Like I drove my car, I parked and I went walking up a mountain and I was gonna walk back down to the mountain and get in my car. I went on a hike like that. And I was just, you know, trying to clear my head. I was just like, God, universe, what do you want from me? This just sucks. Like hate, hate it here, you know? And um, it came to me, walk the Camino Santiago. Now, it was strange because I'd only heard about this pilgrimage six months prior, like at a New Year's, I think it was like a dinner I had with some friends. We were talking about what we wanted for that year, talking about bucket lists. One of my friends was like, yeah, I want to do the Camino Santiago. And I was like, girl, what's that? She's like, yeah, basically you take a backpack, you walk across Spain. And I was like, okay, girl, like that sounds good for you. Like, who wants to do that? (laughs) It sucks. Like before this experience, like I was as outdoorsy as someone who, I don't know, goes to brunch, like in a park. Like I was like, that's me being outdoorsy. So when it came to me, I immediately like try to push it out of my mind, but it really haunted me in a way that nothing has really haunted me since. It was very like, you need to take this step. You need to take this step. And it was really intense for like two days. It was like, no, this is the thing you need to do. And then I actually looked it up because I was like, I don't even know what it was. I look it up on the internet and I see like, oh, it's a walk across Spain. I immediately think of like all the things, you know, like all the stereotypical stereotypical things. Like, oh, I can't do it. I'm a woman by myself. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Of course. You know, I scroll down the forum and it's like some 86 year old grandma who's like, this is my 18th Camino. And I was like, I cannot let this grandma punk me like that. Like, I can't go out like that. That's not who I am as a person. So I was just like, universe, if you really want me to do it, you're going to make it happen. You know, and then the universe really was like, bet. And I was like, Everything, everything came into into focus like everything came to me like it was weird like for example I told my friend I was like oh I think I think I want to do this Camino she's like oh we'll talk to this guy he's done a lot of times I was like okay I'll have a conversation maybe that'll appease the universe get like get off my back and he told me to meet him at this place he gave me the address and stuff like that I pull up it's a hospital I'm like what I text him. I'm like, I'm here. He's like, oh, yeah, come into this like lobby. He's in the lobby of this hospital waiting for his ex-wife because she's having some kind of procedure. And I was like, is this a bad time? He's like, no, it's yeah. perfect. I'm here for a couple of hours. He takes the cross off of his neck. He puts it around me, gives me like 80, 90 euro in my hand, and then gives me like a packing list. It's like, Gwen Camino. And for me, like that was the universe like... That's your sign. Bye. And um, it was wild. 
right? So this all happens in like early, mid-July. And then by August 10th, I'm on the Camino. And it was oh wow crazy. I cried every day. And I'm not a crier. I cried every day before I got on that plane. And I've been traveled. I've been solo traveling and stuff like that before. I cried every day. I cried in the shower. Like, it's like an R&B song. I was yeah. like, <laughs> I was crying everywhere. And my mom was like, you don't have to go. And I was like, I really think I have to, though. Like, I really feel like I got to do this. And so I I did. I got all my stuff. I did. And the crazy thing is, like, I still didn't know a lot about it. Like, I looked at the website and I was like, okay, I got a book. I didn't even look at the book. My mom was like, there's a movie about it. I was like, no, no worries. I don't need that. Because it was like, I needed to go do it. So yeah. I, I landed in France. I tried to learn French on the plane ride to France. That didn't work. Just to let y'all know, like. <laughs> Unless, unless you were like an amazing linguist or whatever, us regular folk, you can't learn French on a plane. <laughs> I landed in Bordeaux. Girl, I was like, I tried out my French, my plain French. They were like, what? I was like, do you speak English? They were like, no. I go into, the, I went straight to like the bathroom and security, like right before you leave. It was like bawling. I was just like, what is my life? Why? Why make these decisions? crying and then I was like okay went out and tried to figure out where the train was had an almost mini meltdown because I was like I don't speak French I'm about to get on a bus I don't know where the fuck I'm going excuse me like I don't know where I'm going go for it and of course like I'm freaking out and then like I turned my head there's like a big pink sign in English it was like train this way it was just like it was a crazy situation to kind of start it but it honestly was to this day the most like life-affirming thing I've ever done and it it changed the game for me because it was one of those moments where like I'm a Capricorn through and through like I like to prepare I like to know what the hell is going on and if you give me a task I can execute but I was thrown into a situation where I needed to trust in all of the divine timing. I needed to really have faith beyond my own understanding. Be like, my feet are killing me and yet I'm gonna make it to the to the like Atlantic coast of Spain. So it was um it was a crazy, crazy experience to say the least. Sounds a bit harrowing. Um <laughs> so question for you. It's a pilgrimage, right? So what was your religious affiliation or your religious um I don't say stance what where did you stand with religion prior to did you identify or connect with the pilgrimage end of it in any way or was it just it just so happened to be a pilgrimage but you were there for the walk yeah I didn't know it was a pilgrimage so I got on it Oh. Which was crazy. I was like, oh, I'm walking past a lot of churches. This is interesting. <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it, which I think was good because I didn't have any expectations. Now, before, I was always a deeply spiritual person, not a religious person, but definitely have a, a spiritual practice, have a spiritual community in Atlanta. And so I think that was the reason why when I felt the call, I knew I had to undertake it. 
because I think had I not been, I've just been like, that's a weird thought. And I don't know why I keep on thinking these thoughts. Like for me, I was like, I don't believe in coincidence. And I know that I am divinely guided. And I know that everything always works out for me, period. And so I know that sometimes I need to go and see. And I know that I need to be led by faith. So really, it was just... <laughs> It was just like I was walking on the pilgrim uh, on the Camino and was like, oh, this is this is a pilgrimage. Oh, okay, yeah. And I didn't and still that didn't really click until like way down into it. We got to this place that's called Cruz de uh, yeah, Cruz de Ferro. And it's you're supposed to have been carrying a symbol of your burden the entire way. And then you lay it down. And I was like, oh word. And I just picked up a rock. <laughs> Next to me, I was like, <laughs> I knew nothing about it um, at all. And to be honest, like, I, the first day that I did it, it's one of the worst stages, like, especially if you're the Camino Frances version, because there's also like a Northern version. You're going you're going up the French Pyrenees and coming down on the Spanish side. It's beautiful. There's like, you know, French cows and French, like shaggy little horses. I don't know what they're called, but they're, you know, like, you're like, what is this? Like, it's, it's really nice. Mm -hmm. um, and it's beautiful, right? You're just like, damn, like this world is incredible. Like you take pictures, the pictures don't make, like don't do it any justice. It's incredible. And I was pretty okay. Like I was like, okay, I'm fit. All right. I, I hadn't trained. That's also something I should tell you. I didn't train for it at all. Um, and I recommend everyone to train and prepare for things that they're going to do, especially <laughs> like this. Um, and I was cool. I was straight for most of the day. But it was like the last five to three kilometers. It was kind of steep coming down into uh, a town called Vorontes Vallas. And I was tired. My body was tired. My mind was tired. There's all these tall Scandinavians striding past me like it was nothing. And I was just like, the hell is this? They're just like, you know, Buen Camino. And I'm like dying, like, oh my God, I'm so tired. <laughs> and I'm crying. And I'm just like, I keep on making the worst decisions of my life. Like a lot of, you know, bad, like self-talk. Like you're just like, yeah. damn, I hate everything. Everything sucks. I get to the albergue. Albergues are special hostels for pilgrims, and they come in all varieties of like new and modern, and also like uh, at like convents with like nuns run them, and nuns don't play. And I wouldn't know that because I'm not Catholic, but apparently nuns don't play. So yeah, there's that. So well, there's some nice ones. I'm I'm a reformed Catholic, if you will. I got one or two in the back pocket that was kind of chill, but. Yeah, the rest of them, especially Sister Kitsy. I will, I will never, I don't know that I will ever forget Sister or forgive Sister Kit. No, I'll forgive her. I'll just never like her. So, so. sorry, girl. It's fuck you forever, but make it to heaven. You know what I mean? No, no hard feelings to that extent. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, so that was a new experience for me. But when I got into Ronces Baez, I was like, I got to like, little check-in place and they see everything so I'm like crying and she's just like you be all right girl she like stamped my little passport gave me my little like uh sheet and whatever for the bed and was like you'll be fine you'll be fine 
I was I was broken that day. And I was like, how am I going to explain to everyone in my life? Hey, guys, I'm moving to Malaysia. Just kidding. Hey, guys, I'm walking across Spain. Just kidding. I'm quitting. Like, I was broken. I was just like, this sucks. This is stupid. I took a shower and I was like, I'm, I'm leaving. Like, I was like, I'm not doing this. This is dumb. Um, and then I went and I tried to find something to eat. And I had like, I got a little boca deal and like two beers. After that, I was like, all right, I feel better. So I was like, <laughs> I was, the thing is like, I didn't realize I'm not really a hangry person, but when I'm hiking, I'm a hangry person. So I was like, all right, I feel less like I'm going to leave today, but probably this right. week I'm going <laughs> to leave. And then I went walking into the village and I saw a church and I was like, well, let me do some sightseeing since, you know, I'm here. And I go in, I sit in the back and this priest comes up to me and he was like, he first of all speaks to me in Spanish and he's like, and I'm speaking to him. He's like, oh, where are you? Where are you from? And I'm from, oh, I'm from the United States. And he was like, oh, come, come with me. I'm not Catholic. So I was like, oh, does in Catholic church, they seat you according to nationality? <laughs> like, I don't know. So I'm sitting in the, like the front pew and he starts the service again. I don't know what's happening. So I'm just like, okay. And then he like calls on this girl that's sitting further down the pew. She comes up, she's speaking, I don't know, let's say French. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. She sits down. Someone else stands up. They're speaking Italian, whatever. And then he points to me. He's like, and now our friend Christine from the United States. And I was like, <laughs> what? what are we doing? <laughs> I, and so I, I didn't know what to do. So I, I bowed to him and he was like, just stand off the stage. And he gave me something to read and it was, it was like a tablet. So I read it and, he, and then he was like, he like scrolled up. He was like, what's wrong with you? Like, and I was like, okay. So I read the, read what I was supposed to. And then I, I bowed to him again. I didn't know what I was doing. I don't know. And he was just like, and after that, I laughed so hard because I was just like, yo, if this is what is in store for me, like all of these crazy ass stories, then I have to go on to at least the end of this week because I got I to gotta do it for the stories. Yeah. And that's honestly like how I made it through was just like, this is hilarious. I'm getting into all these hijinks. There's all these misunderstandings. And like, and that was just the joy of it. It was like, what's going to be the story? What's the funny thing I'm going to get into? But then all of the, like, the blessings that really unfolded, there's something that, the, that people call like the communal provides. And I do believe that. I do believe that. I think it's something about the energy of the people that are on it and the whole history. Um, the communal provides. And that's what kind of kept me going. So I would, you know, after that, I would stop into every church. I didn't, no one else asked me to speak. Um, <laughs> everyone else was like, no, girl. No, I would go into every church. I'll get my pilgrim blessing because I'm not going to deny anyone the chance to bless me. I'm like, you can pray for me and you can pray for me. Right. Um, and that, that really like, that was the thing I needed to keep going, to be honest. Yeah. That's a fuck of a story. Yeah, I mean, church, I will say, Catholic church, um, 
is confusing. It's it's not just you. There's a lot of stand up, sit down, stand up. Ha, this time psych, kneel. This time, okay, hold hands. Everyone's here. We're talking. We're not talking. I'm waiting for an answer. Nope, you're being quiet this time. So I get it. Yeah, it is a bit confusing. That was one of the things that I used to always secretly laugh at because I went to Catholic school for all of elementary and all of high school. So it was always the chuckle chuckle when I watched my non-Catholic classmates not know what was going on. And then after the fact, I'll never forget Dominique. Dominique would complain every single time we had to do a mass or a service because she's like, I'm not Catholic. I shouldn't have to do this. And it's like, girl, you in the school. This is like the fourth year you've been here. Let it go. But yeah, totally get it. And I can definitely identify with the just kind of going with the flow and not really knowing what's going on, but being present for the, okay, but this is going to be good. I got to see where this goes. It's kind of like when you start a book or a movie and you're like, what the fuck is this? And But it's like, I've already committed. What am I? All right, let's see where this goes, because there's no way it could get this far and be a total letdown, right? So what was your, you said you'd done solo travel before. So the whole being alone while traveling wasn't new. What was your extent of experience prior to taking on the walk? Yeah, uh, I mean, goodness. I first started solo traveling when I was four years old. Wow. Because I come from a different time. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, like my parents are divorced. And my parents were also in the military at the time. So I would get shuttled from grandparents to aunties all across the country. Mm-hmm. And back then, boys and girls, uh, <laughs> we didn't have all of these things that you had to do for like traveling. They were just like, you could walk up to the gate, pass mm-hmm. off this kid. And they were like, oh, you got a kid? And they'd be like, okay, here's some captain's wings and sit right there. Yes. Like, it was very relaxed, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some people, because people were like, there's no I was like, colorings. That's the thing, you know? Like, I was talking to one of my girlfriends about it. She was like, yeah. She was like, one time, I she, I think she was, like, too young to fly. And they were like, oh, just say you're, you're this old. And they are like, she's like, what? Like, it was a whole different world. Like, they were taking the words of little kids, and they were putting them on the plane. Like, it was a different world. So I started solo traveling then. And then internationally, my dad got stationed in Germany. So I started solo traveling to go see him, like, flying. And then I was, gosh, I went around Europe. Um, what else did I do? I went to, well, this wasn't solo. This was for when I graduated from law school. I joined a startup and I was on business trade missions in Namibia and South Africa. So, like, I just hopped around. Mm-hmm. I had done nothing outdoorsy, really, really outdoorsy, because also I flipped two. I've almost flipped three ATVs in three different countries on three different continents. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like, yeah. And I'm like, what's up with that? And I don't know. I don't know how to drive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So, like, I, I never... I never had that experience of like, let's go camping or something like, like, no, I was getting on planes. I was staying in hotels and I was seeing the sights, but nothing like I'm walking through a whole country and I'm seeing all these Pueblos. Like that's a whole different thing. Kind of like, you know, you drive through a city, but you walk through a city, you get a whole yeah. different kind of vibe. And that's, that was the difference was like, I understood 
at least to the extent I could as a foreigner, like Spain after that. I was like, oh, I, I'm all up in this. I'm going yeah. through industrial parks, forests, pueblos, cities, crossing, you know, these little medieval bridges that look like Cinderella. I'm like, what is, where am I? Like, what's going on? Going through different, you know, regional languages. It was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. So that was my next question. The, um, the I don't want to say like the layout, but is this like what, in my mind, it's like, on the one hand, it's very idyllic, right? Very Anna Green Gables and very um, Tess of Dubervilles and Cottage Here and like a random goat and like a milkmaid, bonjour, whatever. Oh, but no, we're in Spain. Um, uh, what? Hola, whatever, right? So outside shit, but it's an entire country. It doesn't all look like that. Did you end up passing through different, like, um, like a city or did you end up going through just completely outdoorsy kind of, like, what was the terrain as you progressed through the country? Did that change throughout or was it a real rugged kind of, you kind of stayed in the, I guess you'd say the outskirts of what life was or did you end up really passing through like Barcelona or what people generally see or consider when they go see other countries? Like when we travel, right? There's off the beaten path, but there's also, okay, no, I'm still in the city and I can identify different businesses and industry, people working, kids going to school, like the regular life of things. Or was it completely on the outskirts? And no, this was really just a path and it was just you and other um pilgrimage no pilgrims i guess you'd be pilgrims no pilgrimages are yeah pilgrims pilgrims no it was no it, we went through all of life like wow. there was times i was like we were walking on the side of the road of a highway there were times you know gosh walk, literally walking through like an industrial warehouse area you're just like what what is this and then going to major cities like the the first city, the big city in uh, on the Camino Frances is Pamplona. So you're going through right. Pamplona. You have all the other tours. You have all the That's other things. Right? Yes, yeah. Okay. And then, why this um, and the, the terrain changes a lot. So you're starting in the the French Pyrenees, and you're coming down into um, Navarra, where Pamplona is. And you walk through um, to La Rioja, so famous wine region. And I used to live there, okay. too, um, when I came back. And so you're having that experience. Like when I was when we were I was with like a couple of people I met, we were walking into Logroño and there was, you know, some grapes, some vineyards. So we definitely like took some grapes. They were great. Excellent. Ooh. I mean, I don't recommend people just be still in somebody's, but it was there. It was still <laughs> but you know, they were the most delicious. Like, this is amazing. So go through there and go through the valley. Then you have a, a stretch uh, called the Meseta. So it's really dry and arid. And that was really tough, especially because I was doing that in August and it gets really hot uh, in certain parts of Spain, like the Meseta. And then coming into 
like mostly, mm, I would say Galicia is where it starts to get really green because Galicia in Spain is actually really similar to like Ireland. Ooh. That's what's so incredible about Spain. The geography is really, really diverse. And so are actually like the regional like languages, the foods. Like when people think of Spain, they usually just think of like Andalusia. They think of Sevilla, they think of Flamenco and I don't know, Sangria and Paella, even though these are, you know, Paella is from where I live now, Valencia, which is not a part of Andalusia. So they they like that's what they think of, you know. But Spain is like the geography is incredible. So you come into Galicia. When I walked into Galicia, it was it started raining. It hadn't rained at all the entire, let's say, like 25, 28 days before. And it was like raining and it was foggy. And it was, but it was cool because the fog in certain parts of um, Galicia, especially a part called uh, Samos, it was literally like you're in Cinderella's. I don't know, backyard. Like I thought some animals were gonna like pop up and start talking to me. I was yeah, like, Cinderella, Cinderella. Like? Little ribbon on and shit. <laughs> yeah. So the geography changed a lot. And then yeah, going through farms and farm towns. Like one of the girls I had met, she was doing it with her father, and we were walking through her grandmother's pueblo. And so she was like, You have to come to my grandmother's house. And so I did. And her grandmother had this huge breakfast. And I'm vegan, so I couldn't eat a lot of it. But (laughs) she had this huge breakfast. She had this huge garden where she like grows all her food and like a proper garden and where she like, you know, has her own sauces and and she jars everything and cans everything. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it was incredible because yeah I was in a big city kind of like Burgos has a very famous cathedral and stuff like that but I'm also in these pueblos and 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 having people just be like who are you like who are you black girl yeah (laughs) who are you and and uh and that was really that was actually a really cool experience because that's what I'm talking about like it's a difference between walk, like walking through a city and driving through a city. Yeah. Like you just feel all these things. You learn about the different foods, the fruits. Um, people trying to feed me berries off of bushes. And I was like, I don't know. Because I feel yeah. like I read a book, probably like Berenstein Bears. And I was like, mm, Berenstein Bears said you can't just be eating any berries. So, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So what was the how what was the structure of the day? Was there part of the day that was just for um walking and was it like was it a group experience or was it like a solo experience? Was it everyone kind of starts at the same time of the day and then the day generally ends in a pre-designated area and then because I remember the first plate, the first night you said you ended up just doing like a little sightseeing after getting, you know, like stuff to eat and whatnot. So what was the structure of the day? Did it start as a group and then everybody kind of take their time? You get here when you get here or was it more of a you start when you want to start and then you end when you want to end? You kind of take it, you take as long as you want or be as quickly done as you want. Are people walking through the night or is it, you know, more of a like a team thing? Because 
I am of no stretch of the imagination um, on anybody's run or walk. So the most I've done is like walkathons. You know how you do like the breast cancer walk or them walkathons for school and you loop around that school block a couple times and that's my extent of walking, right? But in those, it's like we're all together. It, everything kind of stays together. What was the structure of the um, pilgrimage? It was, you could do whatever you wanted to do. You could go as fast as you wanted to go. It was definitely not a group thing. Like some people came together and you might meet people that you would walk with sometimes. I was really like, I did a solo dolo though. I met people and it was cool, but I was never like, I'm, we're doing this together because I'm an introvert. I'm a Capricorn. And I was going through things. So I was like, mm -hmm. I'm not really here to make friends. I made friends, but I was like, that's not really what I'm here for. So my structure of my day would be, I would get up at like six and I'd have like everything packed up. I would actually sleep in my um, clothes. I was going to like go for the next day, check all my stuff, make sure I have like money. Well, I always slept with my money. I don't play that. So my money strapped to me and my passport and everything like that. And then I was out with like headlamp. If it wasn't, oh, wow. if it was, you know, dark, I would be out because I like to like get up and out and not be with the rush. And I also liked to finish my day at like 12, maximum two, because it gets really hot here in Spain during the summertime. Um, and I like to get to like the albergue that I want to. That's what I learned so after the first week and you get some like some real janky ones, but you're like, I'm tired and I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to move. Like you, you kind of start learning. So I would get in at about 12, one, two, find my bed, um, immediately wash all my clothes, take a shower, wash all my clothes, hang them to dry so that they could get like that, you know, midday heat on them. Because yeah. you don't want to walk in damp, musty clothes. You don't mm -hmm. want to do that. Um, do that. And then I would go have lunch, uh, which was like a menu del dia. So it was like 10 euros for like three courses and some wine, some water. I'd probably go to the grocery store to get like maybe some fruit for the next day, take a nap, wake up, maybe socialize, depending on how my feet were, because I did lose like two toenails on the Camino. <laughs> and, I, and I was not prepared to do that. I was like, oh, okay, so that's just gonna come off. Got it. Um, and you know, have some dinner. Now, some of the some of the albergues have curfews, so also like you could get locked out if you weren't there at like eight or like ten or something like that. So, the day was kind of like forced structure for some of these places because it was like I need to do all these things, have you know dinner. I need to make sure I have all my stuff off the line, packed up, ready to go for the next day. Wrap my feet take an ibuprofen, put some icy, icy hot on my legs, <laughs> lift my legs up, chat with people, you know, like, okay, and then go to sleep. Um, that was mostly like the structure of the day was, was that kind of rhythm for me. Now, some people, you know, they got up whenever they wanted to, they would stop and have a coffee and do all that other stuff. 
But that wasn't, that's not really my vibe. I'm more like, let's get the work done that we need to get done. Um, and let's get to where we're trying to get to. Especially because some of these albergues are like, you know, like how hostels are. Some of them are like a room of four. But some of them is like a room of 120 people. <laughs> and people snore. And then at some point I was like, either I have to outwalk these people. Mm. So I would go like a stage and a half ahead. Or I have to kill you. Like it's either <laughs> that. Like either I have to kill you, or I have to outwalk you. So that also became part of the like, the formula. Was like, and people would be like, "Where are you going to?" And I would tell them wrong places. I'm like, "Don't follow me. Leave, yeah. leave me alone. You, you're the one I'm trying to outrun. It's either me or you, baby. And <laughs> my feet already said it's going to be me. So." <laughs> That's the thing. So that was most of the structure of the day. Um, and there was like, obviously, throughout the day, you might meet up with people while you're walking, you have conversations. Um, and that was always really great for me because I wasn't just looking for people to have like to fill up the time. Like I was really in the silence, which I think was really important for me because I'm a really good compartmentalizer. Okay. And so when you're walking and you're in that active meditation kind of state and there's like nothing to distract you and you're just walking, a lot of things come up. And while things are coming up, that's when like the incessant chatter, I don't think is helpful, but people would come like at the right time. People would be speaking messages and stuff like that. Like, you know, like things that you're just like, how could you know that I need to hear that? Very strange stuff. So for me, that's that was my day. And I try to leave that space for the stillness. I try to leave the space for whatever messages were trying to come through. And for, you know, honestly, to have the ugly cries. I still was ugly crying. And I'm like, I'm still like not a crier. But like the most I've ever cried in my life was during this time of my life. Every day, out in public, tears rolling out my my face as I'm like walking, you know, and clearly I needed it, but like it was a it was an experience for sure. When do you think that you first kind of shifted in yourself in the walk? Right. So initially, you weren't really prepared. You kind of just all right, fuck it, we're here, we're gonna do it. When do you feel like you kind of got into a groove? When did it feel as if you had like a new purpose to your walk? When did that start to kind of unravel for you? First, I got to tell you, uh, three days in, I was, yeah, three or four days in, I was at this albergue. <laughs> that was like, you know, these movies about like 1950s orphanages. It was like that. It looked like an or a 1950s or uh, orphanage where you're like, oh, someone's going to like pop out and with a knife and kill me. It was one of those situations. It was like um, really, I think it was like drizzly. It wasn't raining, but it was like drizzly. And I was just like sitting there like, again, I was like, I make the worst decision. Like, okay, I had some laughs. It's, it's been all right. But now I was like, I don't know. And this French woman, she was like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm struggling. This sucks. My body is tired. She was like, you got to give it 14 days. I was like, girl, we're supposed to be out here for like 30. <laughs> she was like, in 14 days, you get stronger and stronger and stuff like that. 
But she was exactly right, actually. Like at day 14, my body was just like, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And I was putting down miles. Like I had one day that I did like 26 miles. Like oh. that's crazy. It's crazy. When I yeah. think about it now, and I just walk around like our little park here in Valencia, and I look at my little tracker and it's like six miles. That's I'm tired. Wow. I did 26 miles. And um like your body does get accustomed to it. I think when my mind switched, I don't know, it was different stages. It was first, I don't know what the hell I got myself into. Second, this could be great for jokes. Third, it was like, well, my body's getting strong. So maybe it's not so bad. And I think honestly, it was towards the end where I actually started listening and I've gotten enough stuff out of me where I was like, I think that saying that people talk about, like, it's not about the destination, but the journey, like that actually penetrated my soul. Because let's just be honest, before this, I was like, I don't give a damn about no journey. Let's get to the stuff. Let's get to the destination. (laughs) Let's win the things. That's all I care about. But it was through this experience that I was like, oh, I actually understand it and I actually resonate with that means and so I got to that point like right before I got into Santiago which was crazy because by time I I think we were like yeah we were one day out from Santiago de Compostela which is like the official ending although I went on a couple more days I met some people some some people I had seen like three weeks before and I hadn't seen him in a while and I, we were all together and we were having dinner and we were like, you know what we need to do? Let's just leave at 3 a.m. and just walk by the moonlight into Santiago. And I was like, maybe we should walk at like five so that the sun could come up though. If it's still like- <laughs> <laughs> so we did like, the moonlight, like we all left on that last day. And it's something that, you know, you're like, you hear about it. Santiago, how many more days? How many, you know, because people also don't always do it all in one go. So sometimes you're like, oh, I have to go back home. I got to go to work. Da, da, da. So it's this thing like Santiago, Santiago. You don't know what it is. And I just remember packing myself up and it was dark. And I was like, maybe we should wait 30 more minutes. Everybody's like, no, let's go. And we start walking. And once we reached the forest, because we were first on the road, we had headlamps there. But once we got into the forest, we turned them off. And all you can smell is like the wild um, rosemary and eucalyptus. Yeah, I think it's eucalyptus and thyme, like the wild. It was crazy. And you're just smelling this and you're walking by moonlight. And you're headed to like this destination that's been like, you know, this mythical creature in your life. And you're just like, this is it. This is it. And that's where I was like, that moment is when I was like, it's not about the destination. It's about this journey. I've had all these experiences. Because by the time I, by the time we got into Santiago that morning, it was a big deal. Like, you know what I mean? Like you got into the, it was like, it's a city. It's a beautiful city. But it was like. We're here. It was a little bit underwhelming. So you're just like, mm-hmm. I thought 
there's no dragons. There's no, because yeah. <laughs> you've been like out here fighting for your life. And that was just like, wow, it was beautiful, but it was like, it reinforced that it was about the journey. Now I went on after Santiago to Finisterra, so to the coast, they call it the end of the world. But as you know, as everyone who's a traveler, you know how many countries have an end of the world? Everybody thought it was the end of the world. <laughs> like, yeah, it Everybody thought it was the end of the world. When I got there, that was emotional for me. That changed everything in my life. Because, you know, you hear about, okay, Finisterra, I went to Santiago. Now I feel like a bad bitch. So I was like, Psh, I've been walking for 30 days. Like, let's do it. Like, I can do anything in the world. But as I'm walking at like to Finisterra, you start seeing the beach, you start seeing the water and it's like through trees and you're walking, walking, you're like, you start smelling it. And, and then it ends up like you were spit out onto the beach. And I was like, 33 days ago, I was walking up the French Pyrenees next to these beautiful French cows. So cute. And now I'm walking onto the beach on the Atlantic coast of Spain. For me, that's where that transformation, like I recognize in that moment, I could do anything in my life. I could do anything, but not from an e egoic kind of space, but like from a common sense, I can do anything. Paso a paso, step by step, I can do anything. Will it hurt? Yeah, we get tendonitis in your feet and be like can't walk for three months after. Maybe, um, but I could do anything. Like that was that moment for me, and that's what I needed to know. I think because I think when I started the Camino, I knew that I'm smart and I should. You know, I I think it was like a very entitled kind of space. I was like, well. I should, and why is this happening to me? And da, da, da. and I think the Camino really embedded like deep spiritual principles that I had studied and I was familiar with. It embedded them inside of me. And so by the time I got to Finisterra, by the time I got to that beach, it was just like, I can do all things. I can do all things. I just need to decide what I want to do, point myself in that direction, and make sure that all my choices are in alignment with that direction and I will get there, you know. Do you remember what the first thing post uh, pilgrimage was where you were able to see the shift in yourself? Yeah, because <laughs> post pilgrimage, I, I went backpacking around Europe, which was crazy because I was like, my body was like, We'll keep it together. But as soon as I left the pilgrimage, it was like slowly like falling apart. And it was like, girl, go home. So by the time I got home, like my feet were just like messed up. Like no lie, I had tendonitis and I could not really walk properly or train for like three months. It was crazy. But my spirit wasn't broken. Like I, I just allowed all this creativity to come out of me. And I had been thinking about producing a music festival for a while. So when I got back, 
I produced the music festival. Like I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. And then I did. It was one of those moments where for me, it was a difference between like you being book smart and actually being someone who contributes to the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's easy to be like, I know all these things. It's like, but what are you doing? Like, what are you actually creating? So that's like the big thing that came out of the Camino was like, I don't know how to create a music festival. I don't know anything about that. I'm going to create it. And I did. And I, I learned so much from that experience because it was just like, well, I'm just going to ask people how to do it. I'm just going to put myself out. I'm going to align myself. And what's the worst that could happen? And the worst that could happen is that I, I created a, a music festival like a year later in Atlanta. And um, and that was just one of those experiences. It was like, I can do anything. You know, it wasn't like Coachella, but it was like <laughs> I did, you know? And that's that's the kind of thing that that is what I've always used now for any motivation. When I feel like, well, yeah, I don't know how to do this. And I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do a lot of things. I have to remind myself, like, you see, you went to law school, but you don't really know how Wi-Fi works, girl. So why are you stressed? You don't know how like, you don't know how to do a lot of things. Just try. And so I do. And things happen. So for me, like. The motto for the Camino is paso a paso, step by step. But literally having to walk step by step by faith has imprinted on my life. And I take that everywhere in, in any endeavor that I do. The things that I try to talk myself out of, and I'm like, I don't know. And it's just like, well, paso a paso. We're going to do some steps. If it's meant to be, I'm sure the universe is going to give me a, a sign and then we'll continue going. And it's worked out that way. So about this second one, what, what inspired you to do this again? And what are you going to, what do you intend to do differently? Do you intend to do anything differently for the second go around? But very bigly, like why? Okay. So the Camino is an experience that like, it sucks at some point. Like it does suck at some point. You're like, what the hell is this? But it's something that gets into your spirit, under your skin, that even with tendonitis in your feet, you're like, I got to go do this again. Okay. It's something about the clarity. It's something about, yeah, like the clarity, like you just hear the things that you need to hear so clearly for me. That was like, I got to have this experience again. And you crave it. It's, it's also something about that that active meditation of walking, it's so powerful. It's so powerful that I think like my body craved that. I still go on really long walks. Cause I'm like, something about that is just the rhythm, the the energy that's moved up and out of your body. Like it's just something very healing about that. Um, the disconnect, something very healing about that. But it's been almost, It'll be 10 years wow. next year. Yeah. And I can't believe it. And I'm just like, girl, you are not as spry as you were 10 years ago. I mean, I be do look, I, I work out, I do my Pilates, I do some of my yoga, but like, you know, I'm not as 
not a spry, yeah. but I think what has been the calling for this second Camino has been, I, since I did the first one, I moved to Spain. Like I decided to, to move here and to make my life here for at least this chapter. And it's kind of like, uh, it's like a gratitude tour. <laughs> I, because the thing is like, Spain is not perfect. I know some people are like, oh, Okay, Spain's not perfect. Not a lot of places are perfect, but it has given me so much. And the Camino was the thing that gave me Spain. And so I feel like I need to go on this gratitude tour. And also, I am in a place in my life where I think I do. I need like a tune-up. I need to hear some things. I need some clarity on some things. And so I'm wanting to do another Camino. This one's gonna be different because I wanna do the Camino Norte, which starts in the northern part of Spain. So we're going through like San Sebastian, um, Bilbao, like, you know, Basque country, Asturias, Cantabria. And um, the elevation is a lot tougher. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's beautiful and gorgeous, but it, it's a lot tougher. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm trying to make it happen this year. I think I'm gonna be able to do it at least maybe a week, but I'm hoping to do the entire thing. But it's just something like, I know that it's tough and it's physically demanding, but there's just something about once you surrender to it, once your body surrenders to it, once your mind surrenders to it, you actually do have like this really interesting mind-body connection. Like shit just works better. You hear better. You see better. Like you just be knowing things that you'd be like, I've been thinking about this for so long. You just be knowing things. And so I'm looking forward to that kind of clarity. And um, it's like a tune-up. And I'm sure I've been compartmentalizing lots of stuff that needs to come up and out. And I'll just be crying for days and days. Cause that's like, that's the nature of the Camino for me. It's like a safe space for me to let it all out. So I'm excited and scared, very scared, but it is what it is. I think um, for me, because <laughs> although it's tempting, I do not see a 30-day pilgrimage in my near future. Um, but I do see doing more walks. But when you mentioned it just connects, I feel like that for someone that can't necessarily commit to that amount of time, I think the forcing yourself to do new things, to having new experiences, challenging experiences, like definitively and intentionally taking on something that you know is difficult for yourself, but not shortcutting or, you know, quitting through that journey. At some point, it just starts to make sense. It's kind of like when I plan a trip, but I don't necessarily see how some of the moving parts are going to happen. You just figure it out, right? So we just got back from Mexico on Thursday and... I am not a Capricorn. I do not plan that well um, because at a certain point I get too like caught up in certain details and then I totally miss out on other details. But 
I travel with my partner now and it has been an entirely different experience of travel. And this is the first, first and a half, I guess you can say, because we had a weekend trip with friends maybe one or two summers ago, but that was like in Jersey. We did Atlantic City together, right? So this is the first time that I've ever vacationed with another couple other than that weekend trip. So for me, it's now including not just my partner in travel accommodations and plans and what to do, but he's mine. You know what I mean? So it's like, he'll just, all right, wait, whatever you want to do. You want to do this? We'll do this. What do you want to eat? It's That's a lot easier to navigate, right? The two of us, we navigate life. So it's not difficult to navigate a trip, but then now navigating two other sets of people and tastes and moods and like physical abilities was a little bit of a stretch for me because like you mentioned earlier, I am outgoing, but I am not an extrovert. I do very well by myself. And I think because I'm so outgoing, people tend to think that I'm an extrovert, but my social battery, it's like an iPhone that you haven't been charging, right? The whole time through. So by the time you leave the house and get to work, you at like 32% and you're like, what the fuck? So just so are we all traveling together? How are we getting to the airport? Are you guys coming with us? And so many things. It's like when one person says something, but now there are four people to kind of navigate. It's like, well, I kind of suggest that we get the tickets the day before, but okay, no one did it. So here we are now trying to take the bus to the airport and there are no more seats on the bus because there's a finite number of seats. So when I, you know what I mean? So it's like, for me, it's the learning to you don't have to be the, ha, get you, gotcha. I said that. Just pivot. Just pivot. And seeing who got stressed over, now there's a change. And it's like, okay, well, how do you gracefully now, like, include someone else's feelings in this clusterfuck of now we have to change the plans? And so it's one of those things that, as a not really a planner, you kind of got to balance. And it was difficult for me to kind of not shrink into my own bag of my own feelings. Like, okay, so if we had done, let it go, things change. And you have to now navigate with a ton of other people. So I can't commit to like the whole 30 day thing, but even in that four day window, if you give yourself the opportunity to do things that are new for you, those challenges will come up. And to your point, it's not about Yes, we got to the fucking airport, right? But it was the journey between. Even though that journey was only a little 20-minute journey, the journey was navigate other people. Are you the type of person that wants to make sure everybody is okay inside? Or are you the kind of person that wants to make sure everybody is okay on the outside? I'm the inside person. My partner's the outside person. He's logistics and point A, point B. So he's stressing over that. But I'm like, babe, take a breath. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Like, it's money. So we pay for the tickets. Not a big deal. We'll take a taxi. But he's like, all right, logistics. I got to get everybody here. It's four of us. And it's like, ooh. So now let's take a shift. And I think one of the things that I'm definitely going to take from your example is finding those opportunities because I really feel like, like to your point, and one of the other questions I wanted to ask you was, do you remember any of your angels? Like you had mentioned people coming with a message that came right on time. And this conversation 
in and of itself was also is very right on time for me because there, you know, as a podcaster, there are so many other things that go on in the background of making these episodes and just consistently doing other things that bring the whole together. So this was a message for me to kind of just like, you don't have to have it all figured out in one day. Like the series of little steps is what gets you to the end. And what were some of those messages or what were some of the people that really gave you that tap on the shoulder and was just like, oh, wait, I didn't even consider looking at it this way. Or thank you for that pause or thank you for that shift in mindset. Yeah, I mean, gosh, so many. I remember particularly this old, I think he was German, but lived in the Netherlands, old man who had like, what was his business? It was like some type of like manufacturing business, but he like manufactured parts for plastic surgeon. It was like this whole thing. I was like, what? He's like, he's like, cause he knew what Atlanta, he knew where Atlanta was. He's like, oh yeah, I've been there for business. And I was like, what? tell me more about this business. Yeah. Tell me more about this surgeon manufacturing. Like, what's manufacturing? What's going on? Um, I remember, like, I'd seen him and we had chatted before and we were walking and he came up to me. It was one of those days I was crying. And the great thing about the community, no one's ever like, what's wrong? Because everybody yeah. knows, like, oh, either your feet hurt or something's going on in your spirit. So it's never like, what's wrong? And he and he looked at me and he was like, what's the worst that could happen? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, whatever you're thinking about, what's the worst that could happen? Hmm. And I was like, well, if I say how I really feel, then like, because I was like ruminating on, you know, some things and like, if I say how I really feel, people will be offended. If I try and do something that I really want to do, I'll fail. And he was like, but what's the, what's the really worst thing that could happen? Just from some tears. I didn't talk to him about anything. He was just like, what's the worst that could happen? So it could have been like, he could have been like, you don't have to make it to the next, you know, town. You could stop here leave at this town, stuff like that. What's the worst that could happen? And I remember that because I was like, that changed a lot for me. It's how, I mean, I feel like I'm still such a cautious person, a very, like, I love to play on things. I don't want no surprises. But, you know, I did come in Santiago. I live abroad. So it's kind of like, there's going to be surprises. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of things that you can't plan. And if you are, like, rigid, you're not going to make it. Yeah. So what's the worst that can happen is kind of it's it's kind of reckless. I, I've definitely utilized in reckless ways, <laughs> but it's also gotten me here. You know, what is the worst that can happen in podcasting? Because I almost didn't publish my podcast. I I was thinking about that for so long. I was like, and I had to think like, what's the worst that can happen? Like your mom listens to it and that's it. And that's all I thought. I was like, my mom is gonna listen to it, and she's gonna and she's gonna call me and be like, I like this episode. Got it. Okay. The worst is that my mom is gonna give me critiques and will be like, oh, this, this girl's nice. and and that is something that I I cherish because I think as a black woman, 
a Black American woman from the South, I'm also Caribbean. I think that we have, I'll speak for myself, that I have definitely had tendencies of perfectionism mm -hmm. because I don't want to be seen a certain kind of way. Like I want to be seen as perfect. Like I can do it. Like I'm, I'm capable, like I'm valuable. And I was, I was like, what's the worst that happens if it's janky? Like what's the worst? Because if you, if I'm waiting on myself, if I'm, if I'm discounting my voice, my opinion, my creativity, then I'm suffering. And I'm also not being in my service because my service, my purpose has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with me serving others. And that can be grandiose and it can be very small in the ways that we show up for other people. So that has changed a lot because it's like, what's the worst that can happen? People would be like, that's whack. Okay. Um, you have a typo. Okay. Nobody comes, no one listens, whatever. Okay. And the weird thing is that ever since I've adopted that, the worst has never occurred. Also, like the worst doesn't happen. Some things you're like, oh, I want it to be like whatever. But like maybe that, you know, the pie in the sky didn't happen, but like the worst didn't happen. And so that also made me think like, wow, I'm like the weapon formed against myself. Like maybe like sometimes I'm the weapon formed against me. Like sometimes I am the op. I'm the one that's helping <laughs> myself. And that also was really critical, right? Because I think when I was first walking the Camino, I was like, universe, you don't want me to win. Everybody hates me. I don't know. Why don't I get the stuff? And it was just like one of those moments where you just had to recognize like <sighs> things happen, yes, to you, perhaps, but do they really stop you? You know what I mean? Like a lot of, like, that's what I like about the Camino. It's just that time for you to like, Figure out the stuff that's your stuff and not your stuff. And then the stuff mm -hmm. that's yours, you know, you gotta look at it. You're like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want that to be my stuff. I don't when I look in the mirror, I want to see that. But it's it's true that it's honest. And the great thing about it is that when you come into that reckoning with yourself, then you can actually move on. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have that reckoning, you can't. So what's the worst that could happen? You have this reckoning with yourself and you recognize like, you know, you cute, but also you're problematic. <laughs> you're cute though, girl, but you're problematic. And then you can move on from it. So that, yeah, that that German Dutch guy with the, maybe manufactured some, I don't know, maybe it was like silicone implants, something, it was like some plastic surgery stuff. And um. Yeah, I will ever forget that. He was like, "What's the worst? What's the worst that could happen?" Was, I feel like that's also like elder wisdom. Because yeah. elders would be like, "Why are you so stressed? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you got a whole computer in your hands. You don't have no computer. Like, so stressed out." So yeah, he was definitely one of those communal angels. But that's that's the thing. The communal provides. I think life provides too. Yeah. If we're quiet enough and we're open to it. So you don't have to go on a 30-day trek. You, you can always do the Camino in, you know, bite-sized pieces. Or you could do whatever you need to do, um, walking or meditating or whatever, to get in that space. But I think you have to be receptive to it. Mm. 
you have to be receptive to the idea that the that life provides. You have to be receptive to the idea that people that you don't know can be in cahoots for you in ways that they don't even know they're in cahoots for you. You know what I mean? They can be part of that, um, but you got to be receptive to that. Would you have any advice for anyone who is looking to undertake the Camino um, in their future? Yeah. You First thing is, is that you need to get proper footwear. So you definitely want to make sure you understand your feet because you do not want to fuck up your feet at all. Um, and I had good shoes and I had inserts and I still lost two nails, two, finger, uh, two toenails, and I had tendonitis in my feet. So you need to make sure you have proper footwear. You need to make sure it's broken in. I would also say you'd want to train um, in some capacity. Some people don't. That's fine. But if you have like a, a finite amount of time, you might want to train so that you can get to where you're trying to go and not be injured. Um, although there is like a whole like <laughs> crop of um, like doctors and like uh, podiatrists like along the Camino in certain cities because they'd be like, yeah, come on in. Yeah, come on. You have the wrong shoes and just come on in. And people, you know, have to get procedures. They have to, you know, tap out and stuff like that on the Camino. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty wild. So. I would say proper footwear and to train some. Now, you don't got to do 26 miles or anything like that. I would just say, you know, walk. Um, I would say a good rule of thumb is like walk to your edge. You know, like when you, when you practice yoga, you're supposed to go to your edge, but you come back. That looks different for every person, right? Some people can do a handstand. Some people can just do a little like, you know, tripod and they like, you know, when like a uh, figure four kind of thing, like that's all they could do. Do that, like push to your edge and call it a day. So if you're not used to being very active, okay, take a walk around your park, build up a little sweat. You don't got to go fast, but like feel like, okay, I've done something. All right, stop. And then kind of build that kind of momentum, I would say. And then a good rule of thumb for your backpack is you don't want it to be more than 10% of your body weight. So do keep that in mind because you are carrying everything that you need, like on your back. So don't be like, oh, I can have this and have that. And it's all about priorities because look, I did the Camino and I had like, I had some makeup. I had, I had a little bit of makeup. I had a little bit of essential oils. I had different stuff for my hair, but I made it work in my pack. Like I prioritized what I needed. So you can have all the things that you need. You just can't have everything. Um, yeah, I think that's the, that's the biggest, those are the biggest things. Like if you're interested in doing it. Also, I would say definitely don't be discouraged, right? Because I said a lot of crazy stuff. You'd be like, girl, I'm not trying to lose some toenails. They grow back <laughs> kind of normally. Like. I have one that's kind of like not, I don't know if that's ever going to be normal, but I mean, it's normal. Like I, I can get a pedicure. I'm afraid. Right. Like people, I take my shoe off at the nails on. They're like, oh, I know what it was before. That's it. Um, right. <laughs> like, don't be afraid of that. 
Uh, and don't be afraid, like, I won't finish or anything like that. Because cool thing is, is that the Camino is actually way more popular than it was when I did it. So they have a lot of other amenities. Some people ship their their backpack. Like, if it becomes too much, they ship it to the next place. You can always do that. Um, or if you'd be like, I'm done, just be done. And there's plenty of things to do in Spain and then catch a flight back home. Um, I just, yeah, I would say those things and just don't let the fear of failure, like, stop you. Like, push, push, push that edge. You don't got to go and do it all, but, like, push that edge. Be curious about what that fear of failure is trying to prevent you from discovering about yourself. That's what I would say. Christine, this has been such a bomb conversation. Like, I could talk to you all fucking day, but where can the people find you so that they can hear more about your travels, your experiences, and what you have to give to us as a creator? Yeah, y'all can find me at my podcast, Flourish in the Foreign, which is all about the elevation, celebration, and affirmation of Black women across the diaspora who choose to live and thrive abroad. We also explore living abroad as a pathway to wellness. You can listen to it all across all major podcasting platforms, the website, flourishintheforeign.com, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook at Flourish Foreign, Pinterest. It's 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 all right. We're going we're gonna get it there. We're gonna get it there though. So Pinterest Flourish the Foreign, YouTube Flourish the Foreign, and yeah, and LinkedIn Flourish the Foreign as well. Yeah, um, yeah. This has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And thank you, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And thank you for joining us, good folks. As a weekly reminder, this has been a, a most perfect example of travel being so much more than vacation. Travel can be one of the most life impactful experiences if you open yourself to the opportunity and remind yourself that you can do hard things. So thanks, folks. I will see y'all next week. Bye, y'all.